Hello, and welcome to the Tavern Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tankar, and this is another of our fireside chats with the designers and makers and the hobby you love. Today, I have Brian from Lost Relic Industries. Brian, welcome. Hi, I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, I'm Brian, Lost Relic Industries. Uh, I'm the other half of Lost Relic Industries. My wife, Liz, also works here. Uh, and we're game designers. Um, we've developed a tabletop RPG uh, for our, uh, I guess, um, you know, our homebrew game. And we wanted to sh start to share it with people. And we discovered this community and decided, you know, hey, we want to reach out and see what this is all about. And what's this OSR thing and start to catch up, really, if uh, we're going to contribute. All right. Excellent. So we're going to do a few questions, let people get into your uh, background. So uh, tell us about your first RPG experience. Wow. Um, this is way back. For um, a lot of us, it is. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, we yeah. show our age. I'm sorry about that. but. Well, um, yeah, I, I actually, uh, my first exposure was uh, probably in, um, I, don't, I don't know how, exactly how old I was. I would have been in elementary school. Um, and I saw a, a kid, uh, in the lunch line with, um, I think somebody described it as the Moldvoy classic, uh, Tom, uh, Moldvay, oh, okay. uh, that original basic rule book. And I said, what's that? And, you know, he just sort of explained it, um, briefly, but at that point I was kind of like hooked on the idea. Um, and you know, I thought, oh, that, that sounds neat. So, um, you know, doing what you do when you're, you know, a youngster at that time, uh, you know, you wait until you do all your chores and you save up some money and you say, hey, mom, can we go to Toys R Us or whatever? Um, and uh, that's what we did, you know. And, and so uh, I went out and saw it on the shelves uh, and I saw these dice and then I was just like, what's what's that? What's this all about? And uh, my mother said, yeah, yeah, we can't do that. That's, that's Dungeons and Dragons. And that's, uh, um, you know, my friends have told me about this and we're not going to buy that today. And, and so I was, I was kind of disappointed. Um, but, um, you know, my mom being a semi cool mom that, you know, <laughs> this is, you know, this is early on, right? She said, well, you know, uh, she let me look around and, and then I found this dungeon board game. Um, Ooh, okay. yeah, so I took that home. Um, and you know, it, it was, it was a dungeon game and, and we played it with the family and, and, uh, uh, it was my mom and my sister and me and, and, uh, we, you know, we just sat down and we played that game and, um, you know, I started out, um, I, I think I played a, uh, I was a, they had a wizard archetype in that game, um, and figured out the whole trick to, to using the fireballs and um, getting the big treasures with him. Um, and, you know, that was just, that was a lot of fun to me. And so the idea of a dungeon crawl kind of stuck with me. Um, it wouldn't be for a couple of years before I actually played a tabletop role-playing game proper. Um, and this was a little bit later on when I was, uh, you know, in junior high. Uh, at that point, I had uh, some cousins come down and visit, and one of my cousins, uh, they were moving. They were moving from, um, gosh, Browns. Uh, they lived down in Brownsville. Most of my family's from 
from uh, down there originally around the valley in Texas with the very southern oh, wow. tip of Texas. Yeah. So they were just an interesting side note. They were moving from there to Point Barrow, Alaska. <laughs> um, That's a hell of a move. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, my cousin says, yeah, I've got all this stuff and um, I we, we can't move it all. And I looked at it. And man, if he didn't have, uh, you know, all of the AD&D hard books, uh, the original printing of Deities and Demigods, um, and a, a whole box full of the uh, yellow boxes of minis. So, okay. yeah, it was like, you know, jackpot. And, um, you know, so I, I, I took that and, um, and, you know, I was like, yeah, sure, you know. <laughs> Um, well, I looked at your throw from the mouth. Yeah. 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 Right. And I thought, wow, this is great. Um, and then I didn't have anybody to play with for a while. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, that, that happened. Um, I, I had some, you know, I met some, some friends at school who were kind of like-minded and they said, uh, yeah, you know, we'll try out D and D, but the AD and D thing was still a little bit much at the time. Um, and so we actually, uh, went out and got the, uh, red box basic. So I was exposed okay. to a lot of this stuff before I ever even got to really play. Um, and, you know, and read the, uh, I think w was it Menser that, that wrote that one. Um, and, uh, it was a, it was a very easy intro to read and to get into it. And then of course it had that element of here's a dungeon crawl again, right, right there in the um in the book that was what was so kind of enticing to me initially um and so i sat down and and uh ran a game for my friends and then we were all kind of hooked and so we were making up different stories and you know uh, a couple of years later you're watching the D, D cartoon on tv um and the next thing you know we're playing advanced D, &D. um so that was really sort of my start um it was you know back there in the, in in those days i missed all the early stuff um, by high school, I was playing just about everything that was out there. I mean, it was, um, you know, there were a lot of things, you know, Traveler, Mega Traveler, Cthulhu. I mean, we could just, you know, we could go oh, on. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Worldmaster, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, all yep. the games out by Pacesetter Games. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing time. Yeah. So, and, I was, and I was good at learning multiple systems back then. I've gotten a lot worse at it as I got older. But back then, I could pick almost anything up. Yeah, it, and it was interesting, too, because um, one of the things that happened to me, and some people may say, shame, you know, but um, I, when I got older, um, you know, it was uh, my priorities shifted. I had kids at a young age, and uh, priorities shifted really fast with kids. And, oh, yeah. Um, and you know, uh, my, my ex-wife my <laughs> was, uh, not as much into the gaming thing. And so it took a little bit of a backburn. Um, and so trying out all those systems kind of fell back. Um, we, we played second edition with a group at work for a while up, um, through the mid, uh, through the mid to late nineties. Um, and then later that, uh, a friend from that same group decided to start up three five, and that's kind of really what led me down this path into uh, creating our own uh, homebrew game. Interesting. I, I played steadily pretty much. I think from when I got introduced right around nineteen eighty eighty one until uh, 
March of 97, I think it was March 3rd, a Sunday, uh, the, day be, the day before I actually graduated from the academy and suddenly lost my weekends off. And uh, uh, when you're off Wednesday, Thursday, work until 2 o'clock in the morning, yeah, you, you don't you don't find a time to gain, and then and then our group lost its its momentum. It was the same group for the most part since high school, and uh, everybody was getting married and having kids, and uh, that was that was like the final straw. Migrated to like I don't know, MMO was like EverQuest over the years, but it was never the same. Man, there's nothing quite like uh, playing an RPG at a VTT or a table or a con. Right. It doesn't doesn't compare. All right. So, like, you're interested because you got introduced pretty much by basic, although you didn't really get a chance to play. Well, you know, you did play basic. You got introduced yeah, by basic, found AD&D, and then went with basic. So now, uh, right. What was, and also, you've written your own system. So, what, what, yeah. what's your what, what's your go-to RPG system? And if, and if it's your if it's your homebrew, it is fine. actually. Uh, um, tell, tell us a little bit. So uh, it it actually is uh, my go to system right now, um, and I think it's because uh, you know when we were playing, uh, we had some issues. Um, we had things that um, at our table that we wanted to resolve, and um, so basically uh you know my wife and i went back and said okay well let's let's try to build something new um and uh, you know we we weren't really sure we kind of knew we were going to do something um entirely different um but we weren't really sure what that meant at first and and we sat back and we said well what are some of the concerns about uh that that we have when we're playing the game that we'd like to address to make the game more fun and um, or, or more enjoyable for those uh, th that come to join us. And, and what are some of the concerns that other people that um, come to the table have? Um, and so that was really kind of why we did that. And that's why we play it. If, if we hadn't been successful, then we just wouldn't be playing it, I think. Um, well, that, that certainly makes sense. All right. All right. Well, going back to your uh, your D and D basic slash A D and D roots. Oh, Grace's class. Yeah, your name. Um, you know, I'm gonna say nay. I I don't. Um, I I understand it, but I feel like, um, you know, you you can uh, a race. You know, an individual is more complex than their race. Makes perfect sense. I, not every dwarf needs to be a fighter. You know, not every halfling needs to be a fighter, kind of think of it basic. Yeah. Um, and I don't fault basic for that because basic does what it's trying to do to, to get you, you know, going and to keep a simple rule system and you've got to make tough calls. Yeah. No, you, you're right. And, you know, I, and I understand it too. And there is a simplicity to that. That's for sure. I, I I kind of like how Adventure Conquer King handles it, Axe, where you have cl racial classes, but it's not race as class per se. So you have classes that only dwarves can play, but it's sure. not a single class. They have a selection of classes they can choose from, kind of 
you know, you take your your iconic classes and you kind of twist them a little bit to be, you know, for the dwarf or the, you know, the elf. Sure. I, I, I like the way that's handled. Um, and it's a little bit of best of both worlds, I guess. And, and that's a little something that, you know, we had talked about exploring. Um, but right now we were tackling so much and just trying to get this right that I, I could see that down the road for, um, you know, for our game. But, uh, it was just out of the gate. There was just so much that had to be done and documented and, and put right. Uh, I, I understand that. Not, not that I, uh, I sat down and said, Hey, I'm going to write a, a large game. I sat down and said, I'm going to sort of wizardry white box down to four pages, which it wasn't an easy task because you're trying to get a playable game down to four pages. And still have level advancement and classes and racial choices. And it was stressful doing with just, you know, willing it down and then rebuilding it to four pages. I can only imagine what it is to take the concepts that you feel work and then fix the concepts that you figure don't work in the game that you're you're finding your influence from and then rebuilding it all to a full game. I, it's insane to me. Not, not a bad insane, but <laughs> no, it's insane. <laughs> okay. Um, no, no, it's not. You're right. It's not bad. It's, but it is, it's, it's, uh, it's very daunting. Um, and I'm very humbled, uh, by, by this and, and I've, we've done a lot wrong, you know, and we've done a lot, right. Um, the, uh, I would say the, the, out of the gate, the biggest mistake that we've probably made, which was fundamentally uh, it, it's sort of a high-level mistake, right? Um, a friend and I had made a, a board game uh, many years prior just as a concept because, you know, we did this for fun. Um, right. And I want to say, you know, 2009, 2010 timeframe. And back then, you know, I, I don't think the board game thing was quite what it is now. And um, we contacted somebody and, you know, that was supposed to be, you know, a major uh, scout to represent, you know, cause that was what we found on the internet and we thought, well, okay, this is the way to do it. And the guy basically just sort of eviscerated us and said, yeah, well, you know, you've got this game. It's about pirates. There's lots of games about pirates and um, nobody wants that. And you're going to have copyright issues cause there's other games about pirates and this and that. And it, frightened me years later, you know, coming into this, uh, and we literally sort of ducked out, you know, of the industry because I couldn't, I was afraid that I was going to be seen as, um, you know, uh, taking other people's ideas because it had left that impression on. And which, which we, blows my mind when it comes to games, you can copyright the the words in the presentation, but you can't copyright the mechanic. And if you're not taking something directly from another game, I can be damn well sure you're not repeating the words uh, and you're not repeating the presentation of somebody else. So it almost seems like this guy was trying to put the fear of God before you even stepped into the industry. That ain't right. Yeah, I think he probably was uh i'm not gonna name any of the outfits that he was would have been representing so <laughs> that's okay um, but i think there was probably some of that and um like i said it, it it really burned me um in that regard on the other hand uh i don't know if we could have done this 
if we had spent a lot of time um, because you you know you're seeing things on the peripheral and you're seeing um, the hard work that people are putting out and you go wow this is amazing you know and then you you look and you want to hold yourself to that standard and you realize you know you look at Paizo and you 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 read the list of writers that they've got you know and you're like well it's 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 me and Liz you know <laughs> so. Um, so it's, it is, it's very intimidating. Um, but to somebody else coming in, um, you know, if you're new and you're trying to, uh, develop something like this, uh, my advice would be, you know, this is a great place, um, to dive into, you know, to get into this community. Um, what appealed to me about what I was reading when I saw, you know, I, I, when I started to actually come out and say, okay, we've got a beta and it's ready. So let's start looking at the industry. Was this OSR community because it's it's funny because it's old school right but I right. feel like it's um, almost uh, more open to new things than um, some of the the newer game you know the game shops that are more established. Well, and I think the reason why is that um, I, I don't know if you had this experience, but like when I ran first edition AD and D, which is what I was introduced to gaming with. I never ran it by the book. I was, we would house rule. We didn't call it house ruling yep. it. We didn't, or home brewing or any of that stuff. We didn't use these terms. It's not my groups, but we did it. And if you went from my game to another group's game, combat might run a little bit differently. Uh, it was just, you were used to that. So I, I think the, the, the OSR is very accepting of, people taking a, a core system that they know that's maybe based upon AD&D or OD&D or one of the variations of D&D that's been licensed now and, and homebrewing it and playing with it and making it something that works for them because we've all done it. We've all, even if we didn't call it that back in the day. And it's also, uh, for the most part, um, a very uh, sharing uh, community, because I, I know when I've had questions, you know, the few things I've put together, or I've certainly received a lot of questions from people in the community. Go, listen, I'm trying, I'm having trouble with 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 layout with InDesign. Do you know? And I go, I don't know. Do you know anybody? Yes, I do. Hold on a second. And next, you know, Zach Laser from Frog Eye Games is working. Somebody like you know Douglas Cole. Through how to do do a little bit of stuff on their own time. This is what this community is generally about. I I don't see uh, people saying oh, I don't have time to help you. It's it's how can I help you? And uh, I, I love it. I personally do. You know, it's a beautiful thing to see, and I think it helps make it vibrant. So I'm, I'm glad that you've uh, you found a home here in the USA. Yeah. This this was definitely a uh, godsend for us because like I said, I, the things we were really nervous about, um, some of them came true, not in this community, but some of the things came true and it's funny and it's kind of laughable, but you go back and you go, Oh no, you know, um, that, that thing about, you know, stepping on somebody else's toes. Um, we released our beta. Okay. And, um, uh, we, we did this, uh, in mid, uh, December, last year um okay and so it's still you know we're still in beta right now uh but we put it out there 
And as soon as we'd released it, we'd been through, we'd had two attorneys uh, review the names and then even make a suggested change to the name of the game. Um, and uh, then we actually went to uh, the patent office. Their attorneys reviewed it and we're like, you know, hey, like we're going to be able to get a trademark here, you know. And sure enough, uh, there was another game with the same name 10 years earlier. It never came up on any of my Google searches initially. And somebody really out. Yeah. And I mean, it was just like, you know, you just knock the wind out of you, you know, because then you're, you're like, okay, this is like your worst fear. Right. And then, you know, I looked at it and we'd spent a lot of money on legal, um, right. trying, to, trying to run this down. And, and, and I looked at that and I looked at it and I said, well, they were here first and, you know, and, and, and Liz looked at me and she said, we're, we're, we're just going to have to eat it, you know, because, um we're not those kinds of people you know we're not gonna say you know you're whatever i'm doing is more important than what you did and so um we went and we basically we crunched uh two days so i've got my day job and then i come home and then i'm up all night uh for two nights while we rewrote everything and we had we went through a brainstorming session we rewrote everything and relabeled everything went through all the books and everything and then reprinted them and then bumped them right back up to drive through because we didn't want to take it down either because we were afraid that we would disappoint people who had maybe gone and um i mean it's free but you know that had maybe gone and uh purchased it and then they couldn't right. download it um so we worked really hard to do that and and then we got past it and we, i think we've actually got a great name now um we call it swords and shaman of Songard um swords and shaman i thought was pretty cool hey you know if i find out it's been used then i'll just be sad again but um the game is still cool <laughs> uh, listen i i've looked at uh trademark issues in this industry uh and i think probably the most infamous is the uh, gygax magazine one when uh gail gygax you know i guess she filed a trademark infringement action against the magazine, even though it had two of the guy Gax sons on it. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a shit show. And I think in the end, between both sides, they hit six figures and in, in legal fees. The only winners were the, the yeah, magazine wound yeah. Up folding in the end anyway, but yeah, it was, it was sad. But, well, I'm glad it worked out in the end. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, we we've got um we actually have several hundred downloads now um we don't have the degree of feedback that we would have liked um you, we found that there will be one or two people that are very vocal and give us a lot of information um and we use all of that so um you know it's not wasted on us it doesn't mean that we're going to implement everything that everybody says because it, you've got to make hard decisions and say yeah that that's not quite right but not for this right feel free to uh make a house rule for your own campaign and see if it works yeah you know, yeah that's what it comes down to like like we said we've been we've been doing that for 20 30 years yeah so that was what yeah. we called it too was you know house rules yeah that's how we play in this house yeah but we didn't we didn't call it like you know home brewing or 
alternate rules. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, that's not how you play in my house. It's just, this is, Eric's rules are as follows. How we do initiative, we don't use weapon speed, but you don't use weapon versus armor adjustments. And uh, we don't use spell interruption because it's just too much to fucking track. Sure. Those are the house. Those are the house rules. I don't remember anybody that ever played with all the advanced D and D rules, like all of them. I, I don't think you could. And 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 with AD and D, the other thing that was uh, to me very annoying was all right. So it's a game that's based on a like, combat's all based on a D twenty, unless you go to grappling and overbearing. In which case, it's not suddenly a percentile system. It made no sense. Yeah. Or psionics, which also made no sense because it wasn't based on the same resolution system. And it was like, okay, if, I, if I'm not psionic and I get attacked by a mind flayer, it just blows my brain up. But if I am psionic, then we got to break out this like rock, paper, scissors combat system. So that that's one of our you know key points was that we looked at it and we said, you know, we really want a simple system that um, we can explain in a few minutes to a newcomer. And then we don't spend a lot of time like flipping through the rule book for a mechanic that's specific to grappling or a mechanic that's specific to a psionic attack or otherwise. Um, and because that was, that was really one of our um, things. You know, we, we got, we felt like, um, it was slowing down our three, five games. We were having times where, you know, the assassin, you know, would say things like, yeah, I want to get out somebody. And we go and find those rules. And we're like, how many dice rolls does it take to do this? You know, this is mm -hmm. basically, this is basically a sneak attack, right? You know, this is a backstab with a different weapon. Right. And how do we make the resolution system consistent and yeah. i think that was that was the biggest weakness in in, in the first edition of AD&D was the inconsistent systems that were not the main the, the main rules worked well together but it was what you figure was like oh gary thought this was cool yeah. <laughs> no man don't do that to me <laughs> well i'm sure that somebody out there it, it, it appeals to um and i don't you know, I, I don't discount that there's something for everybody, but um, that wasn't for us. No, certainly not for my groups either. All right, we'll hit you with the next question now. Where do you stand on save or die? Save or die? Um, wow, it sounds this like we're... It's the most Where? controversial question I think I, I, I ever ask. Everybody gets all like... That's it's, it's not a politically right or wrong answer. Um. Wow. Uh, if we're just talking about like pure mechanics, there's not some magazine out there called Save or Die that no. I'm not aware there, there, of. There, there, <laughs> no, there is a yeah. podcast out there called Save or Die, and I'll have to oh, okay. Save cool. or Die, but not the podcast. Because I, I know the I know the people that are on the podcast. Okay. Um. So I have. Uh. You know, as an absolute, I would think that you know, it, it sounds like it, it should be pretty rare. Um, on the other hand, um, I, th I leave the possibility for scenario open. If you, um, we, we use some interesting monsters and, um, part of, I think what's important about what makes a monster scary is, 
um, you know, its ability to cause harm. And, you know, can, you know, basically it's the boogeyman, right? You know, it's like the whole Freddy Krueger concept. You don't want to go to sleep because that's how it gets you. But then when do you sleep? Um, and those are harder problems to resolve than, well, I'm just going to whittle its hit points down, you know? And so getting back to the save or die, I actually do have some mechanics that, that, um, can be implemented. I've got, you know, my zombies, they're basic zombies, but if one of them bites you, man, you've got uh, one to three days to get cured or you're a zombie, you know? Um, okay. You know, so that's a... That, that is a save or die, but the, the trick of that one is not an immediate save or die. So yeah. you, are giving that, you are giving them an opportunity to try to find a way out of this predicament as opposed to save or die. So, yeah, I... I don't like just, you know, hey, by the way, there's something you didn't know about, and now you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it literally is a shock to the system, I guess. But, uh, yeah. All right. So, all right, we're going to hit you with the last question before we do our the head scroll. You came into gaming middle school, so what would the teenage you think if they could see what you would be accomplishing in the hobby at this point in your life? You're basically self-publishing. Um, you have your own game company. What would the what would the middle school you think? I uh, probably disbelief. Um, I I would not have uh, imagined myself where I am right now. Um, in many ways, uh, you know, it's not just the the publishing, but it, but and everything in life, you know. Um, I had at one point hoped that uh, you know I thought maybe I can uh be a clerk in a bookstore and that'd be pretty cool right um but uh yeah i think i would just really be in disbelief uh it's kind of funny because uh i i actually i, I mean i don't want to sound egotistical <laughs> but i might want to know me because i i want to know the people that make games you know uh, and i'm always kind of fan struck by by uh certain people when i do get to meet uh I can relate to that. I, I, I will tell you, I, I've met a lot of people in the industry. I go to conventions now. And I think I've only been uh, totally uh, fanboys, you know, struck. Uh, literally when I bumped into Jeff Grubb. I always really enjoyed Jeff's work on AD&D and 2E. And it was at North Texas RPG Con, and I'm about to get into the elevator. Doors are closing, and then somebody holds the doors open, and it's Jeff Grubb. And he sees my name tag and goes, oh, hey, you're Eric Tenkar. I read your blog. <laughs> Tenkar's wow. Tavern. And my wife had to tell me that, you know, I, I was like, I, I told him thank you, right? She goes, no, you went, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I, I I couldn't get a proper word out, and uh, and I actually never got onto the elevator either. The doors didn't close, so uh, yeah, I, I can understand. Um, it, there is a certain we we have. When I was growing up, I wanted to be in the industry. I when I was in junior high school, I my my dream was to write comic books. I knew I couldn't draw them. I didn't have that type of talent. And then 
as I got older and got into high school, I was like, I'd love to write RPGs and write adventures and get published and make a living off that and live in Lake Geneva. And uh, uh, I don't know, at the age of 50, suddenly I was uh, retired from regular employment and working in the game industry, whether it was writing stuff or uh, helping out in the Frog God table uh, at conventions and running games and the podcast and the blog, suddenly realized, wow, I, I, I found my way here. And I didn't even realize it. And suddenly I turned around and I'm like, I'm doing it. And I certainly would never have dreamed that I could. I, I would have loved it, but I never actually thought I would accomplish it when I was younger. So this is pretty damn cool. I think that sometimes we um, we're drawn to the things that you you know that that interest us like that, and it just sort of it, it's when the opportunities arise, we we end up sort of congregating that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it took a while for me to get where I'm at, but I wouldn't have changed the path. If the path worked, changed the path. God knows where I could have wound up. I could. Working on a White Wolf's vampire line or something like that. <laughs> how, how can I live with myself? Not an insult to vampire players, just not my uh, cup of blood. Um, right, so, tell us about your system. We, we've we've kind of sure. touched on it here and there, but we haven't really talked about it. So, sure. Um, so yeah, the, the, the game itself is, it's, it's a game world and a system all in, all in one. And really the crux of the system is that it's, uh, built around the idea of, of, uh, check, uh, which can be a, a skill check or a stat check. And this sort of allows a game master to, uh, keep the game moving i i hope um and think out of the box when somebody you know when a player says well i'd like to do x and the game master looks at it and says well okay they don't have a skill for that but can they realistically do it so you've got one of two things to fall back on it also gives you a consistent mechanic because the check mechanic is also used um in combat and in in magic as well so you're not changing dice types you're doing the same mechanic and once you understand that um you can pretty much hand a character sheet to anybody and they have a rough idea of what it is that their character can do um you know based on what's in front of them they don't have to learn uh, a new mechanic so you know you're you're rolling percentile dice um against a, like i said either a stat or a skill um right. skills are simply padded stats right i mean if we want to get down to raw mechanics so you know if you've got um you know a, a skill in um you know sword it's basically a padded strength stat right and so you would take your strength and then you add to whatever advancement points you put in sword and that's your sword skill and so if you're rolling against that or if you're rolling against something like uh climb climb is actually a great one right because okay. Uh, the the reason why I like climb as an example is because uh, while it can be agility based, you know, people used to make the argument in old D and D, well, you don't have the climbing skill. Only you know, rogues and thieves and people like that can do that sort of thing. 
um, you can look at it and say, okay, this person doesn't have the skill, but they have agility. And believably, you know, is it possible? Well, let's see. And you would roll percentile dice and you try to roll under that target number, whatever that skill is. And the game master would apply, you know, uh, a modifier to it. It's pretty straightforward. Um, you would oftentimes you'll have a penalty of like minus 15 to a um, to an unskilled check. That's pretty standard. You know, if you don't have the skill, it's going to be much harder. Uh, but it's not necessarily impossible. Some things uh, that might be impossible, um, you can still achieve a uh, a critical success. It doesn't mean that you've accomplished the impossible, but you've done the best possible outcome. Okay. So I give you an example. You basically, like I said, you want to roll low. So let's say your climbing skill is, say, ninety three, and um, and you're skilled in climbing. So uh you're you know we're uh i might say well you know you come up to this you know this large uh stone stone the stone wall of the keep and you're trying to sneak in after dark um it's some you know 75 feet up so it's a long climb but you've got uh some you know maybe you've got some stakes that you can uh jut into the sides you know in the crevices to help you climb and so you sort of hammer those in um and i might say hey that's pretty high skill so we don't have to roll for you to get started up there well so okay sure you know we're just playing um it's not it, it, it's trivial for you at this point uh with your tools and your level of skill um now you get halfway up and i inform you that there's a guard patrol below um now it gets interesting because now you've got to hang on for a little while or you might make some noise. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, saying, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to pause? Do you want to keep going? Okay. Well, I want to keep going. Okay. Do you want to bring the stakes? Or do you want to leave them behind? Um, because that's going to affect your role. And, right. and let's say uh, you, uh, you say, well, okay, I'm going to leave the stakes behind. And I say, okay, well, this is going to make it really challenging. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, without that, you know, you may not have, uh, you may not have the grip. So, you know, we're going to say, okay, well, this is at minus 45, you know. Um, so you roll the dice and two zeros come up. Uh, in most games, that sounds like 100. Um, but in our game, we're going to call that zero. And we're going to say that's a critical success. Um, so at that point, I'm going to say, okay, so you're actually able to silently move up the side, um, and the guards heard something, um, and, you know, turned their back as you definitely leap over the, the, uh, you know, the, the palisade or the, uh, embattlement up at the top of the wall and, you know, managed to land behind a guard, um, you know, with his back face. Uh, with his back to you, so because it's that's the best possible outcome, right? Um, so, like I said, I'm just kind of making this up on the fly. I don't have a scenario in mind. This is just sort no, of no, that's random, and and that's fine because you're talking about the mechanics. So yeah, yeah, and, um, and, and that's that, that's you know it's a roll under system based on percentiles. So once yeah, you know, you know and, and and difficulty is set by the game master. So. Like yeah. you said, something that's trivial, you don't need to roll if your skill is strong enough. 
uh, and some things are complicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of borrowed a little bit when I, I read the fate rules and they said, you know, uh, rolling the dice when it's interesting. And um, that was something that I, I like the way that they put that because I made the mistake of making those roles a lot <laughs> for a long time, making people make those roles that didn't matter. <laughs> right. Well, I'm so, I, oh God, did I read it or did I hear it on a podcast? Somebody was talking about, listen, if, if your party finds a trap and there's no monsters bearing down on, on them, they should be able to disarm it. It'll take a little time, but it might not take a round. It might take a turn. But if there's no stress, it, they just should be able to accomplish it no matter what the skill is. It's when you have to do it under pressure that the role should come into play. And I thought about that and I said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And it actually makes uh, low level Z's especially more viable. But yeah. it also allows you to change the pacing. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, you got that, that, that lock was, that lock took you a couple of minutes, but you finally got it open. And the next time it's like, well, you know, if you don't get that lock open, you got two ogres bearing down on the party. You're going to be in for uh, a shitload of fun. Now you got to make your roll, and I like that. I think that it makes certain skill resolution less tedious and more useful. Yet at the same time, when you when you use it under stressful situations, you have to roll. Then you get the tension where you need it. You shouldn't have the tension when the party is literally. Working on a lock in, in in a room that they're like you know got the door closed behind them nobody's gonna come in that shouldn't right. be the stressful situation so I like that uh, that works well yeah that that's that, like I said that's the basic concept behind it we wanted to keep the game moving um, the only other dice that really come into play are d6 and we primarily use those as damage and and health okay. Fair enough. Now, like you said, you it's in beta now, so it is uh, to download. Pay what you want. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we've got it up on drive through, and that's exactly it. It's I uh, put it up there as pay what you want. Um, I'm not asking for money. My original reason to put it up as pay what you want was if there were ever any potential issues, you know, with uh, trademark or whatever. I I could make an argument maybe that you know we were actually in commerce but um i'm not a lawyer so you know um what well, we do yeah. want is feedback <laughs> well I, i'm gonna let you in a little secret from uh drive through because i have two products that i put up well actually uh i think i put up one is free and the other one is pay what you want pay what you want tracks your sales even if it's a zero dollar sale so, so something being sold to pay what you want, even if nobody gives you a dime, can still rank on RPG now. You can still make copper and silver, electrum oh, okay. and gold. You can't do that with a free product. So, okay. you know, it's an interesting little quirk with how they, they, they do things. A free product can be downloaded 10,000 times. It'll never get one of those best-selling badges, but a pay what you want, could be downloaded, you know, 500 times and only have 15 paying customers and you'll still have a chance to rank. So I, I, I stumbled over that one. 
<laughs> when I when I first hit copper, I went, how did, how did I hit copper for the pay what you want? And then I did a little research. Yeah, so but free, free will not rank. There you go. Well, I don't think we're in danger right now of getting any kind of high ranks, but you never know. You know what? Uh, you you got to be in it to win it. Yeah. Um, I will cert I will certainly include uh, links to your uh, your drive through store Thanks. on the uh, podcast episode. Now, uh, as things settle down after this initial con season, I've got a Tolacon uh, in two days, and then two weeks after that, I have GaryCon. After the convention season and after these interviews sort out, I'll, I'm going to get back to actually looking over a lot of these uh, rules that have either. Uh, come across on the podcast when I've interviewed people or I have sitting in a folder on my computer waiting for me to look at so I can do at least some capsule reviews, but I haven't had the time, but I'm going to definitely want to look into this. Cool. Well, um, we're trying, you know, we're, we're trying to get updates out there every month. Um, and actually what we're working on right now, um, uh, it's, it's like, I can't wait to put it out there because we went back and we re we reread, what we had and realized, okay, how can we make, make this more clear? And, you know, we just said, we need examples. And so we're literally like, you know, before we got on here, uh, Liz and I are, and she's still over there working <laughs> right next to me. Uh, we're going through and, you know, I was writing examples for uh, different rules of, you know, this is how this would look in play and she's figuring out in InDesign, you know, okay, well, what's going to jump off the page? What's not distracting? What's helpful? Uh, so I'm real excited to, to get those injected into the game. Um, and they should be, the first should be up here in February. Oh, nice. Okay. So, and I'm assuming that a lot of you, like when you update, you're making some announcements, some, do you have a website or just the uh, drive-through store? So, uh, yeah, right now we have a, a website. It was a forum. And again, like I said, I, I had been kind of unplugged from the community. And, you know, I, I set up this forum thinking, hey, this will be a great place for people to post on a message board and I'll post updates on it. And it's kind of, you know, it's it's like crickets. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of people. Listen, I, and I tell you right now, I, I tried using a forum attached to the blog, figuring it would be a great thing, that, and no. Then I discovered Discord, and, you know, Discord, somehow people enjoy communicating on it. So, yeah. Uh, and if you're only, you know, doing monthly announcements, I'm, I'm going to, and this goes to anybody who's on our Discord as a small publisher. If you're doing monthly announcements, you know, feel free in addition to sharing your own channel, share it in the common room. Let okay, people know cool. what's going on. It's not a problem with that. You cool. know. So okay. cool. Uh, I'm glad we did this. But uh, you have you have now you have a handful of uh, titles up on RPG Now or Drive Through that are related to your system, but do you have anything else in the work that's not up there yet? I wish I did right now. <laughs> I have a lot of things that are sort of sitting over on the back burner. Um, really, right now, we want to complete this. And our focus is uh, so our mission last year was. Let's get this thing into beta. Let's have a successful, like, we get something published on Drive-Thru RPG. 
and we and, and I said basically I don't want anything lower than a three star rating and um, we got that I don't know who did that somebody gave us three stars thank you um, but that's all we got you know we didn't get a, a, like a lot of other feedback directly on on that site um, and this year our goal right now and so our focus is okay we need to turn this into a uh, highly polished presentable product and kickstarter it um we don't have an artist right now uh we had somebody that it looked like they were going to be able to work with us and i think he's just gotten too busy um and so we really you know that's going to be one of our challenges we're we're really putting the polish on here's how these rules work we're probably going to have to uh, we're going to take another rework probably of the character sheet, but we really have to go back and find artists to kickstarter this thing. And once I feel like we've done that and we're good with that, uh, we want to release more content. I have, uh, our, our approach to this was we're building a game world, uh, but uh, instead of focusing on, uh, you know, the fact that I can't do everything, I, I man, Frog God just did this 700-page thing, right? That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Uh, and, and we just can't do that right now. So, well, you got to remember, yeah. Frog God has been, this has been yeah. Bill Webb's project since, I don't know, uh, 20, 30 years ago. So. Yeah. So we, we looked at it and we decided, well, hey, you know, we're a homebrew. We're all about the home campaign, you know, and, and, and friends at the table, right? And so realized, okay, we'll create content. And so our sort of our deal was all these places that I named in the book that you see on the map, we're going to create content for them in the future. Every place where you see a blank on the map, that's for you to play in. And that's, um, it's, I don't think that's a cop-out really. I think that's the opposite because one of the things I was trying to get away from was I felt when I played D&D uh, 2E, I felt really crowded in Forgotten Realms. I just felt like everybody jammed their stuff in there and there wasn't anywhere, you know, that you could go. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, it really was kind of done that way. You know, there was there was some stuff that like the, the Moonshay Islands were kind of yeah. stuck in there as an artifact. And, and it's a great, uh, it's a great setting. But I thought, you know, why not use our strength, which is that it's it, actually having an incomplete setting isn't necessarily a bad thing for people at home. Um, so I'm going to make the areas that I've named, I, I am going to tweak those. And I have a lot of content. I have a map of, uh, I have several maps. I have the, the one in the big capital city, the Empire, um, Hadithem. And this this place is basically modeled. Imagine a fantasy city version of Carthage in in the day, you know. And this is sort of like the pinnacle of of humanity in in Songard. So we have a lot of material. Um, we have stuff on Mergadim, uh, which is an awesome place. Uh, there's a we have a swampy town called uh, Raven Stand, which is sort of the the literal backwater of the Hadathi Empire, and um, these folks live on a former Gruid drove of just giant cypress trees. Um, and because they live in tree houses, you know they're very careful with fire. But 
fortunately for them, there's a wide variety of very, very bright uh, luminescent fungus. So the town is lit. People, instead of buying a torch, you would buy a lantern, which is a clay pot, which grows very bright fungus in it. You just water it. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, we have, like I said, we have these sort of interesting, different um, locations and towns. I don't want to give away too much, uh, but they would be in future, you know, future publications. Uh, obviously, we need to add. Uh, there'll be a. You know, with any luck, <laughs> there'll be a expanded book of creatures and monsters because the setting is um, is very Pleistocene. So you've okay. got a wide variety of of things right off, even before we add monsters. Interesting, and I like the idea of having the areas that people can design themselves. It all it's almost like you know what you're all adventuring in the same world. But they're they're shadows of each other. They're all a little bit different. They're all unique, uh, and that's actually a pretty decent selling point. Yeah, I hope so. I, I I'm hoping other people because they otherwise people would miss the experience that we had, which was we were painting the world as we expanded, and I don't want people to miss out on that. That's cool. Very nice. Well, Brian, thank you for spending time with us today. Wow, uh, thanks for having me. I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a reminder when you do finally get to kickstart this. Reach out to myself or Pex. It's, uh, we'll we'll do this again. Absolutely, uh, man. Um, and you know, just to brag my my wife is sort of the silent partner over here but uh yeah it's two of us i i wouldn't be able to do this without her um she's done some amazing work on some of this stuff um and presenting it she's behind all the InDesign, and she has a lot of ideas and we we go through this big process this creative process for how we're gonna put things together listen i i, I wouldn't be doing any of this, if it wasn't for my wife's support, uh, encouragement, you know, and I, uh, I tell her that, but she's like, eh. <laughs> she's like, yeah, but I, I, she, she got me, she was the one that pushed me into blogging in the first place and encouraged me to get back into gaming. So literally the tavern and all that, all its parts probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, uh, Rach. So yeah. Um, my better half. So, but yeah, seriously, re reach reach out to us when the Kickstarter's coming. I I'd love to, especially as you, as you've got the system down and you're ready to, ready to go to press. I, I'd like to see where it's at. So uh, awesome. definitely reach out. Yeah, if you like mammoths and dungeons, then this is totally you know going to be great. That's like uh, Reese's peanut butter, right? That's like. Uh, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. That is cool. Of course, I probably had a mammoth in one of my dungeons back in the uh, early 80s, but it didn't have to make sense back then, right? You had like 100 orcs in a 10 by 10 room because it's what the dice sure. said. Well, yeah. it's probably not in the dungeon usually. <laughs> well, <laughs> trust me, I could probably find a way to get him in. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, folks, if you want to 
learn more of uh, what Brian has to offer in his life. I'm going to have links up to drive the uh, drive-through store for Lost Relic Industries. It's going to be uh, in the show notes. And really, uh, I thank Brian for, for being here, but I'm going to thank all you all for uh, listening. You've done a great job driving the, uh, the plays uh, for the month of February, averaging over 650 plays a day on their podcast. Uh, thank you for getting the word out, folks. As always, stay safe, be well, God bless, roll those dice, and I will talk with you all tomorrow. Later, folks.